Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. Yeah, you grew up here. You may look like this and you all may be taught this one way, but the world is big out there and God has a purpose for each one of you. And the ultimate goal is for all of us is to weave our stories together to bring this power of love and joy and inspiration to each other. And if we start labeling and putting borders and, and shifting us to these places of control and fear, we're never going to move the, the needle for society to be most innovative, most creative, the most loving place. And so that's what stuck with me. And, and then I was like, all right, it's time for me to shift. And so after being fired from numerous jobs, and once I stopped forcing a square into a peg, I knew I was going to fly. And that's when we all have to, you know, take a chance. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Will, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks for having me. Can't wait to uh, see where this goes. Yeah, it is my pleasure to have you here. So I found out uh, about your story from way of your publicist. When I read the words, you know, former Wall Street guy turned artist, I was like, yes, this is my kind of story. We definitely want to have Will as a guest. Um, so before we get into how you make this bizarre transition from, you know, Wall Street guy to uh, artist, uh, I want to start by asking you, what is one of the most important things that you learned from one or both of your parents that have influenced and shaped who you've become and what you ended up doing with your life? Oh, I love that question. I think we learn different things from each parent. Let's start with my mom. And I think her biggest message, she has passed away. And um, I think about this a lot. She would say to me and to everybody else that she loved that the most important thing in life is to really be you. Be find the truest, pure, purest soul of what you're what God created you to be. And once you understand that, believe in yourself, don't doubt yourself, and move forward with it. Because you can't please everybody in the universe. And once you learn that 
God created you to be this individual, amazing soul. We are all uh, blessed to help each other then because then the ego leads and you become a pure sense of, of love. And that's something my mom always shared. Um, there's a lot to that. She passed away almost 10 years ago and um, at a young age at 66. And I think about this every day. How do I honor that spirit of my mom and that question you asked of like, what did she really teach us? And what do I want to um, share with the world? And, you know, that first statement I said to you is really important, but there's a lot more behind that. So I think the other thing she shared with me was I, she taught me how not to be blind to the world. And blind to the world means like to be open to receive and listen to people of all different types of backgrounds and histories. And so we can learn from each other. And no matter, you know, we judge in our society. And I think my mom was able to um, see beyond that and really pass on this, um, this human spirit that transcended the now so you can live in the future without fear. And be in the present without fear. And I, and I value that a lot. And I, and I use that in my studio, in my life, and my relationships with my family and my friends and in my art. And um, that's something that I, I cherish. Yeah. My father, he's still alive. Love him. He taught me so many things, too. <laughs> I mean, he's a fighter. And my dad was, is a humble man, and he taught me how to appreciate everybody from where they are in their world. So what does that mean? That means if you're talking to a CEO, if you're talking to a janitor, if you're talking to a teacher, you respect everybody for the same level, and you treat them with respect no matter how much money they have or what history they have. You learn how to talk to people from where they are and see them eye to eye. And you will develop these amazing, magical relationships. I love my dad. And he taught me that no matter where you are in your life and what you're doing and how successful or not, it always comes down to having to be empathetic, to be sincere, to be kind, but also treat people the way you want to be treated. The most basic element in this universe. And he did that. And he was the guy that would give everything off the back of the shirt to make other people happy and please them. But knowing he was there to say, we're in it together. It's not about making people feel bad or showing how tough or cool you are, but it's about connecting to each individual in a spiritual way that really brings out the best in each of us. And my dad was that gentle giant that when you're around him, you felt an ease and presence of love and kindness. And I, I, I work out that hard. It's hard to do. <laughs> so does that make yeah. sense? Hopefully. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you know, you mentioned God two or three times throughout uh, yeah. the lesson about what your mother taught you. What role did faith play in your life growing up and what role does it play today? I think faith is very important and people, um, use that word very misleading. Um, I grew up in a very strong Catholic family in Connecticut, and you know we went to church often in the 70s. I'm, I'm 50 years old now. 
and there was a different protocol and what we did on Sunday um, and how we incorporated faith and church into our life. I didn't really understand what it meant to, you know, interpret the Bible, read it, or just get messages of, of knowledge and trust. I just walked through the motions. And so I didn't, until I got married at 30, today is actually a special day. That's why I was psyched to do this call. It's my 20 year anniversary with my wife, Amy. And um, we're still together and happy. (laughs) And faith was very important for both of us. As we look back on these 20 years, that kept us together. So what it really meant is that it's about a discovery. And if anybody, we're not, I'm not here to judge you because God will judge you the way you judge people. So if you take that simple message and saying, we're here to promote love and show what that really means. Faith to me is about walking in, um, walking in grace and living in love and living, living with love. And I think as a young boy, I didn't understand what it meant to have someone that was so and so powerful in the universe, like God, whatever you believe, there is something that's so spiritual important for all of us as humans to connect to something, not just people, but to connect to something that is beyond and bigger than us and our ego. Faith played a major role when I got married, and it really kind of is the backbone of why I'm still, still married. And um, I mean, there's a lot behind it, but... I, I think I needed I needed a, I needed help in not only relationships but also with my um, with my purpose in life. And before I became a painter, I was struggling, you know, and um, I just was floating, and I was not. I didn't have a core purpose and I didn't understand why I was here and what I was supposed to do. And I think by um, learning how to let go, and this is what I talked about in my TED talk a little, faith was really the instrumental way for me to um, learn how to build trust again and not worry as much. I used to compartmentalize and try to control and organize everything, every aspect of my life. And that does not work. And so, um, when I think we ask each other, each of us to dig inside our hearts and souls, we have to ask one question, and that is, who are you? The other question is, what do you want to do in this world? And once you start figuring that out, you start to have much cleaner relationships with people around you, but also you start figuring out that life is about uh, the journey, and the journey includes having Well, since it's your uh, 20 year wedding anniversary, congratulations, first of all. Uh, but what is it that makes a relationship last that long? Like, what would you say have been the pillars that have led to the success of your marriage? Um, it was just having that conversation. <laughs> I think uh, as we reflect, no matter what time period it is with your spouse or your friend or your family, I think the most important thing in my relationship was trust. We had some issues and I didn't know what that meant because each of us in relationships come from different points. We're raised differently. We're from different families. We may speak different languages. We, we may have different um, 
religions. But the truth is, once you peel away all these layers, all these superficial layers and some of these important layers and these history and this baggage, you look purely into the heart of that individual you love, you better be able to say, I trust you no matter what. But not to me and to that's what we're working on. And that's what's really kept us to a point of being honest. And if you don't have that, your marriage or your relationships or your whatever it is, it just becomes hard work and fake. And it's just, it's not honest. And it's, and it's, and you can't grow from that. You can't grow from a place where you're not trusting each other. And I'm still working on it big time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, 
you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Well, I don't imagine it's just been 20 years of smooth sailing, right? I mean, I'd imagine there are moments that put your relationship to the test. Uh, I'm curious, you know, you know, it, obviously, you know, you don't have to go too personal as this, but like, what were some of those and, and what are the lessons you learned from them? I think, I mean, the first one is, is getting married, deciding that you, for me, my journey was, um, my parents were divorced at an early age in the seventies, which was a really tough period for that to happen in America. Now, many of my family, no one got divorced in the town that I grew up in. And so I think I didn't trust people at an early age. And most importantly, I felt abandoned. Now, these are words that are used loosely sometimes in, um, in relationships. But to me, those were the two things that I didn't really know I had to work on and I had issues with. And I don't, I'm not blaming my parents. I love them and I, things turned out great. But, you know, I came from a divorced family. And that was challenging. And then that caused me that trickled down some, some emotions that I didn't know I needed to work on. And, you know, when we got married, that was the first real um, test for me. Like, do I really trust this woman? Like, what does it really mean? Does that, what is that? I mean, I'm giving my life to her where I don't, it just, I didn't, I, I didn't understand the direction of what that really meant to really commit as a male to this wonderful woman. I didn't understand there were some things I needed to still work out. I got married at 30 and it was, I was mature, but there were some hidden things. And I'm like, Ooh, let's, let's suppress some of those emotions and feelings. Let's, we're, we're, we're doing great right now. And um, the wedding was amazing. It was great. I think our big test came was um, right before we got married, when all this started trickling up, you know, with 9-11. And, um, you know, my wife worked in Tower 2, the World Trade Center in the 78th floor where the second plane went in, and she was late. And I'd never, you know, the world changed, but our relationship changed. You know, she was safe. She was with me in her condo. And then I've never, you know, the emotions of all this chaos kind of came up. And I think I was not living under a, a shell or a rock, but I suppressed so many different things like a lot of people did. And that was a major uh, test emotionally for an entire world. And for me specifically, too, because I didn't know I actually had all these issues I had to deal with. And um, we kind of you know, we, we went through that, that process and walked through it without really, you know, healing. And it takes time to heal from a tragedy. And, um, but that, 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 that motion, um, what do they say? That, that, that steer, that, that comes a, a float a lot. And every year that time period, September 11th, brings back all these different flood of motions and memories. And we just try to peel away one at a time so we can keep moving forward and keep trusting and understanding why we're together. Why? I mean, she should have not been here. 
she should have been in her her office, you know? And yeah. so we I'm blessed. I'm lucky I have my wife for 20 years. And um, you know, that that was one of the major tasks. And there are a lot more, but I think, you know, for the audience, for you and I to have talk, I think I always come back to that as the you know, as, as the tiebreaker for me to say, oh boy, I've got some things we need to work on as a team, as a family, as a unit, as a community, as a, you know, as an individual. And, you know, I think it's scary. That stuff is scary. And as I sit here and we reflect 20 years of my marriage, but it's 20 years of living as an adult, you know, cause that time at 30, when I got married, that was like, oh, okay. I'm ready now. I can pay my bills. I got a good job. I got a wife. I got a got a mortgage. I've got all those great things that is calling me responsible. And I was like, oh, I'm not really so great at managing the money. I like to spend stuff. I like to travel. I'm like, how are we gonna make all this work? We got, you know, saying so I think that was the 30, 30 year was when I turned 30, it was like, well, the reality set in of like, how am I really going to share my life? with someone I really don't know, but I love her and I know emotionally I connect to her, but how do I trust someone that I can grow with? And I think that's a challenge for all of us because we all go through different stages of a relationship. If it's the first day of marriage, if it's year five, if it's having four kids, if it's having your kids leave for college, if it's sickness, if it's whatever it is, there are emotions that we no one tells you when you get married to say, hey, now you're responsible. Are you ready for the big leagues? I'm like, oh, yeah. You don't even know what's coming. But I think the success of any relationship in our community is to have an open mind and still be curious and open up and be open enough to receive all these new challenges and say it is about the journey. It's about the experience of still exploring with someone you trust. And I trust my wife to the end of time. Mm-hmm. So I, I know 9-11 was pivotal for you, and I want to come back to that, but I know there's a story that comes before that, uh, which is sort of, uh, you know, the trajectory that led you down to becoming, an, or to becoming an artist. So, you know, when you were thinking about a career path uh, when you were younger, I know one of the things that you said that I, I really related to in your TED Talk was that, you know, if you could go back and give your younger self some advice, you know damn well you wouldn't have listened to it. And I think that that is the case for almost every one of us. You know, like if somebody came to me and talked to me about purpose and passion, I would have been like, yeah, that sounds like a bunch of new age nonsense. Uh, so what was the the sort of trajectory uh, up until 9-11 that, that, you know, led you to become a painter? Because I know there's some significant events in, in you know, in between yeah, I, I uh, remember, cut me off if you feel like I'm wandering, you know. No, I just don't not at all. Sure. I would have already done that. <laughs> okay. I think the trajectory was each one of us is created to do something great in this universe. I came into the universe, born in New York City, love it, and grew up with this awesome family in the suburbs of New York City. And I really wanted to be a, a professional athlete. But my God-given talents were to be this creative spirit and be a painter. I fought that. You know, people can, whatever it is, we're, we always fight something. They're like, ah, I really don't want to do that. I don't think that's really the right path for me. Oh, that's not going to make me money. Oh, that's not going to sustain my lifestyle. But I think the, the challenge we have to face is, you know, as I said, 
you have to figure out who you are. And one of my most famous, most favorite writers, authors, historians, whatever you want to call them, Joseph Campbell always said, the greatest gift in the universe is learning how to be yourself. And we know that. And that, that opens up a big box. I know that, right? So, but I think the greatest thing we can do for each of us is to respect that journey. Now, some of it seems a little goofy and chaotic and maybe different than what our journey is, but we got to honor the individual spirit's journey. And for me, it was a journey of creativity. Listen, I grew up in an amazing town in Connecticut. I grew up in a suburb of New York City. I thought the world revolved around, you know, making money, living in Wall Street, advertising. Um, I mean, I was pretty shallow. And th- that's okay. I just, that's where I grew up. But I knew I had a, a bigger call in life. So it's not because I grew up in the suburbs of Connecticut that I knew I was going to do all these awesome things. It's everybody is placed here to figure out their journey. Some are more intense than others. But in the end, it's all about each one of us discovering our journey. I did not want to be a painter, an artist, a creative spirit. I wanted to make millions on Wall Street and and build my self-ego and worth through the dollar amount that was hiding behind Will Day. But I that that wasn't my path. I kept going down there. And that's why, I mean, I love working in Wall Street and uh, – I loved being in that competitive environment, but something was just kept knocking me down and saying, you need to go over here. I fought it, fought it for so long. And I think a lot of people can say that about whatever their paths are. It could be anything from religious, sexuality, their job choices. We're all in the same boat dealing with that spirit of saying, rise up and be you. And it may not be the norms of society. And that's one of the things my mom always told me is like, remember, yeah, you grew up here. You may look like this and you all may be taught this one way, but the world is big out there and God has a purpose for each one of you. And the ultimate goal is for all of us is to weave our stories together to bring this power of love and joy, inspiration to each other. And if we start labeling and putting borders and, and shifting us to these places of control and fear, we're never going to uh, move the, the needle for society to be most innovative, most creative, the most loving place. And so that's what stuck with me. And, and then I was like, all right, it's time for me to shift. And so after being fired from numerous jobs, which still, I was like, I don't get it. I knew I needed to reboot, to reset. And 9-11 was the reset because I, before 9-11, I left Wall Street to get a master's in architecture at Pratt Institute in New York. And I, cause I knew something was craving for me to get, um, to study and learn again. And I thought by getting a higher level degree, that was going to be the beginning of kind of my new chapter in life, which it was. And, you know, there are these little paths and roadblocks that each one of us has to you know, come to and then figure out, well, which way am I going to go? For me, it was losing my jobs, getting fired at an early age where I was like, wait a minute, I'm smart, I'm healthy, I'm educated, I'm athletic, 
I'm motivated. I'm passionate. What is going on here? I shouldn't be fired. I should. I mean, I'm ethical. I'm trying to do my best. I'm respectful. I want to succeed. And I just wasn't putting myself in the right place to, to find my, my path of curiosity and happiness. And once I stopped forcing a square into a peg, I knew I was going to fly. And that's when we all have to, you know, take a chance. And yeah. it was, it's scary. It's very scary. Now, my wife married someone that looked like Gordon Gecko on Wall Street. <laughs> you know, I, I know. I'm like, honey, how do you like me now? She's like, I knew. I mean, you got to remember, my wife is amazing. She's type A, no nonsense. I knew what I was getting. But she didn't know what she was getting. Remember, we talked about this trust and honesty and all this stuff. And I was trying to live and look like someone I really wasn't. So it kind of was presenting myself in a different light to my wife, who, listen, let me tell you, has she changed? Of course she's changed. But her spirit and her most important element of her soul has been just steadfast, strong, beautiful. Now, I've had a lot of growing to do and learning, and she's kind of helped me kind of put things in a reality check for, for me. And that's been hard. She's been, you know, she's been making me really accountable of things I didn't want to be accountable for. And it's no one's fault. It's just each one of us has to figure out how and when are we going to be responsible for these decisions we're going to make and how we're going to affect the people that we love to actually learn how to grow and still um, be present and loving. And that's hard to do. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Yeah. I know I diverted, sorry. No, no, uh, not at all. So there's there's one part of the story I know that uh, you, you didn't mention, which is your time in Tunisia where you learned to speak Arabic. Um, you you know were a volunteer for the Peace Corps. So the thing that, you know, when I, when I read that and then I read the 9-11 part of the story, I, what I wondered was that, you know, during that time, there was a lot of anti-Muslim, anti, you know, sort of Middle Eastern sentiment that became very prevalent in the United States. So I wonder, you know, when you have the contrast of, you know, seeing that your wife, you know, luckily survived and wasn't there that day, you know, in combination with the fact that you have spent, you know, time in a Middle Eastern country, what was it like to process those two sort of emotions, you know, at the same time? I mean, it's a good question. I mean, my, my wife is so amazing and respectful and, and appreciative. So she was just, you know, the first thing she was angry, she's not angry at the culture, right? She was angry at the action of being attacked. The, 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 the narrative of what the media was saying is a different story. That's, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. I think my wife was just shocked and upset, right? Like we all were, but she knew I had an amazing experience living in North Africa and traveling through the Middle East and, and just embracing um, the culture from, from their standpoint, from their viewpoint. And she is a person of no nonsense. And so 9-11 was very tough because my experience living in the Peace Corps was one of the best things I could have ever done. Because the truth is, all of us need to wake up and live in some other place that um, is different than us. And I don't know why we are so fearful to do that. I mean, yes, yeah, some of my best friends and people and things I've learned and a lot of my art and my inspiration come from Tunisia, North Africa, and some of the other places in the Middle East. I mean, like insane. If I bottled myself up and shut myself down, I would not have been able to create a lot of the stuff that brought me joy and inspiration and innovation. And I was like, wow, you got to remember, I'm a curious person. So curiosity has to string all of us together to wake us up to really want to see and listen 
and hear things from a different point of view. Um, the Peace Corps really is an amazing program, but, you know, it's not perfect. And I think for myself, it was exactly what I needed for me to connect to the world, to connect to a culture and history that was really important um, to Western civilization, but also to art. And as I look back on my journey, as I try, because I used to love to travel, and I still do, um, I look at all the places I've been, and they're actually, I mapped it out recently, and they're places I've traveled to where all these past amazing creative artists have also lived and explored without me even knowing it. I was in those places and watching and seeing things that they observed and painted and discovered. And I was like, wow. But if I didn't have that curiosity or that drive, I would have missed that. If I came with my own intentions, I would have missed all this joy and amazing kind of um, history and language and um and putting myself in a place of 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 unknown that's when the greatest inventions come out and that's when the discoveries really hit and so to tie two things together my wife knew that the and it still is a very important part of my life is that those experiences the friends i still have and the um, the places that i still remember I draw on for my inspiration behind my art. And even at our wedding, we donated money to our village um, for one of the guys that was I was working with in the middle of the Sahara Desert. And she was she's just respectful. And she knows it's all about it, it's not about the, you know, what, what's the word? It's not about categorizing this culture or this religion. It's about people. I don't care if you're Christian, if you're Muslim, if you're Jewish, if you're bad and you're doing bad things to harm humanity, we're, that's not good. You know, I'm not going to align with you because you, you supposedly say you follow this person, but you're doing all this evil. Why would I do that? The joy I found living in the Middle East and learning about them, learning about Islam and Muslim culture was just the most, it was so pure and beautiful and and they have their way of how to shine and love and innovate and be creative. And it may be different the way I grew up, but it's also unique and special. And it's part of our humanity. And we need to embrace that. I forget that a lot sometimes because I live here in Boulder and I'm, you know. <laughs> the, 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 least, the least diverse place but yeah, with the most open-minded people. So I have to be respectful, right? You and I, we're having a good chat, but you're making me think again. You're making me dream about what I used to have. And, you know, I'm a dreamer. I'm a big picture guy, right? But now I'm back. I'm living in my world here of Boulder, and I am trying to elevate those conversations and let people start exploring the world through my art on places that I've been able to discover historically and bring them into the narrative that it's not about fear. Look what, I mean, if you look in my studio right here and you see some of these paintings, they bring in so much history of, um, gosh, North Africa, Arab culture, the Sahara Desert. I mean, the lighting, I mean, I go on and on. Some of the artists that I respect and love, they were there too. You know, I mean, we are all in it together. I'm just building on it now, but no one wants to hear that. They want to hear it's political or it's like, 
you know, we're going to, it's like, it's shock and awe. And I'm like, that's interesting, but there is a way to respect the past, bring out the best that's not copying it and really innovate through these experiences of finding the best in each culture. That's what I try to do. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny as I was kind of, you know, reflecting on, on the conversation that you and I are having um, a few weeks ago, I just happened to turn on a vice news documentary uh, and it was about the Taliban. And one thing you start to see, you, you talked about living in a different place is that what these people grow up experiencing is watching American military do nothing but kill their family members. Right. And so suddenly you start to kind of realize that, yeah, their anti sort of American sentiment is not because they're evil. It's because they've seen evil and they've yes. experienced evil. And when you see that, you, you know, not that I'm, I'm empathizing with terrorists, but suddenly you're kind of like, okay, now it makes sense why they believe the things they do. Imagine if that, that was your reality from the time you were five years old, all you saw was family members yes. getting killed. I mean, without labeling that exactly, you know, like who and what category, but, you know, your works, we are um, products of these experiences or, you know, history. So that area of the world, yeah, sees something very different than what you and I see, right? So their narratives can be totally different. I don't understand it, but I know I tried to put myself in place to learn about it. And that's why I went into the Peace Corps and I did see some things that were very different than what the media told me because I wanted to have an open mind, but I also wasn't there to conquer. I was there to listen and learn how to love and be part of humanity without having a, a big picture idea of conquering. Right? So I think it's very hard and most people don't want to take the effort to listen and sit down and, um, and have those conversations. Now I'm a big picture yeah, I'm, I'm peaceful, but I'm also, I'm a peaceful warrior, right? That believes in, in doing good. But each one of us has our own um, manifestation of how we want to live that, you know, that peaceful world and think that what we're doing is right and what they're doing is wrong. It's challenging, you know? So, you know, I think those experiences from the, those certain countries that um, see all this either war or, um, I mean, I, it's just, or, gosh, I don't know what the right word is, but it's like when they see things happening to them all the time, they're going to be angry. They're going to be frustrated. They're going to be, they're going to fight for them, for their, for who they are. Right. And so, you know, I think as we grow forward in this new world after, you know, post COVID, I think we have a lot of amazing opportunities for us to, to connect again and, and bring back and, and take away the old narrative. These people who are constantly lying, like when is the, when are people going to be called out on lying to stop lying world and just be honest. So we're different. We're unique. We have different values. Sometimes we have different ideas, but that's what love's about. Stop forcing things on people. They don't want it's like telling me, Will, go do this job and you're going to love it. And I'm like, I hate it. I know God created me to do something else. Well, if I live in a place that's free enough that will give me that opportunity, I will shine and so will everybody else around me. That's what we want, right? Yeah. Well, 
Let's um, shift gears a little bit and talk about this whole idea of expectations, because one of the things you say in your TED Talk was that shedding expectations and embracing life's disruptions are the ways to find creativity in the chaos. And then you go on to say, if you're weighed down by expectations, if you allow the disruptions and chaos of life to keep weighing you down, it closes you off from the world. And you know, this is one of those really beautiful things that's easy to say hard to do. I know. Um, I mean, you and I have probably very somewhat similar backgrounds. I mean, I come from a culture of expectations, you know, where what people praise in our culture is high achievement and their very clear definition of high achievement is doctor, lawyer, engineer, or something that is respected by society. Um, you know, so this process of sort of letting go of, you know, other people's expectations, um, how do you actually go about doing that? And why is it that so often it takes a tragedy like the one you had for people to have a wake up call that for, enables them to do this? I think because we're we're programmed right now to we come into this world, we're naive, we're absorbing and we're structured and we're taught what society wants us to do, which is OK. But our spirit and soul is stronger. and so. Once we learn how to break away from that, you know, that control in, in a respectful way, everybody else around us benefits. Okay. Why does a tragedy like that cause us to go into these um, reflective times? I think because it's, it's the one that's the shock factor. It's the one like, you know what? Something needs to change. I'm sad. I'm depressed. I've lost my money. I'm sick. Whatever it is, it is the wake-up call. You know, and we hear through history and all these amazing books and writers that talk about the wake-up call, you know, the call to action. When are you going to take your call? Well, each each individual has a different call to action. For me, it was that it was, you know, unfortunately, it happened to be that time period, 9-11, and that was the biggest thing that I ever had to experience at the time in our society. And I was like, gosh, there's gotta be, there's gotta be something that's going to be powerful and good. That's going to come out of this. And I'm not here to just cruise anymore. I'm here to be me and I'm here to lead by example and figure out what that means in our society. So I can leave a legacy of peace and innovation and inspiration and creativity and health and a good family name, whatever it is without having this expectation of saying, look what everybody told me to do. I did it. I'm going to die miserable. So I think it just takes time to shift each, each of our journey to sort of have people that love you, that sur- surround yourself with people that love you. We may not understand that journey, but you know, if it's your spouse, your father, your grandfather, your mother, whoever, I think the ones that really care about you the most are going to set you free and let you begin that journey um, of shedding your expectations because expectations are what they are. It's about control. It's about fear. It's about, we know what's better for you. Well, we really don't because I'm not you. And I think once we learn how to shed each of our expectations, gosh, man, let me tell you the layers of freedom. I just feel like a, I feel like someone took a hundred pounds off my body. And I was like, wow, I almost can like walk on water. I just feel lighter. I'm not carrying everybody's baggage anymore. And so, you know, each one of us has that 
that choice, the choice to make and say, hey, you can live your life and li- living what everybody else wants, or you could cruise, you can hang out, you can make millions, or you can actually be an innovator. And an innovator doesn't mean being Leonardo da Vinci or Elon Musk. An innovator is someone that is honest and true to yourself, that is making an impact in your local community or with your family. And that is just important. Yeah. So there's one last um, piece of this I want to ask you about. One of the things you say uh, in the TED Talk is, uh, you know, I lost my job. I'm scared, frozen in time. I didn't know who I was or what I should be doing. This was the darkest time of my life. Expectations weighed me down so much I felt paralyzed. I couldn't move. So I escaped down to my basement and I started to paint. And that reminded me of something that one of our guests said uh, earlier this year. He said, you know, fear is a reaction and creativity is a response. Uh, Why is it you think that some people respond with creativity that the way that you did and others will react with fear? I think each of us has, I reacted because I knew that was my safe place. When my parents got divorced, it brought, it triggered an emotion for me. Each one of us, some people go and become athletes. Some people, I don't know, some people um, hopefully get healthier. So I don't, for me, I knew it was like going back to being my young boy at eight years of age and saying, shit. What got me through this divorce scary time? Again, I'm not mad at my parents. I just was alone and abandoned. I felt alone and abandoned again at that moment in time in 2008. It triggered something that I thought I dealt with, which I haven't. And creativity and being alone and creating these amazing watercolors. Like I remember right now sitting in this room, creating these amazing little pieces. And that brought happiness and peace to me in a time of war. That's what I felt. So why did I go there? Because that was my first point of safety and safety and confidence where I said, you know what? I know I'm, I, I can do things and I know I like to paint and I like that feeling. So I'm going to go do that. It just happened to be creative and it just happened to be putting something on a canvas or on a large piece of paper or on a wall. So I went back to a place, you know, if you were to analyze my psyche of something that was of, um, of, of safety for me. Others may not understand what that meant, but, you know, I've, I've had a lot of time to think about these paths. And obviously doing the TED Talk, you reflect quite a bit about trying to allow people to listen and figure out what their message could be and how they can discover their journey so they can move from a place of fear to a place of love. Mm -hmm. So I have two final questions for you. Uh, You mentioned that, you know, you kind of started your career with this idea of, uh, you know, becoming a Gordon Gecko type figure. Uh, (laughs) How has this whole experience changed your perception of, of the value of money and wealth? Whew. Okay. Um, good, good question. Remember, I still value money and wealth in a way that helps me live a lifestyle that I want to pass on for generations, right? For, 
not just my grandkids, but my great, great grandkids. So, but what I'm trying to change, what I have changed is obviously the deliverable of that. I don't just get a paycheck anymore. Right. I work in a, I'm a painter. I don't have a salary folks. You know, I'm full-time artist receiving, um, receiving payments based on kind of the inspiration I create and hopefully the next connectivity um, that people love on my canvases. So I think what's different is that I'm okay some months not making, you know, a lot of money or any money. I've learned to say, let go. If you're doing the right thing in the universe, I promise you, God will move mountains and let this happen for you. For me, it's I brought my family on a path that said, hey, I worked in Wall Street. I'm going to make this money. This is what we're going to do. This is this, this. Everything was, oh, I see the future. Then I said, okay, we're going to stop that. I'm turning the ship back around. We're going to go a whole new direction. That was chaos. That was fear. That was like, oh, my gosh, this is horrible. I don't like it. I'm scared. I want to get divorced. I don't know who you are. And it takes a bigger person to say, trust me, I believe in myself. So anybody out there, believe in yourself, believe that the money will come. I'm not saying just hang out in your studio and just paint, blah, blah, blah. You have to really dig deep and figure out what it is to um, change, make a living, enjoy. Like I enjoy the the transaction of, 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 um, receiving a check because I know I can, that's coming my way into my will they are narrative story, which will then be given back to other parts of the art world or community or foundations that I love. So there's a transfer of, um, mindset that is so different now, instead of just building a will they arts portfolio, this is a mindset of the money. The money you invest with will also is going to be moved to other places of joy and happiness and uh, innovation. That's a big change, but that takes you know time to understand what that means, and also ways to figure out how to lead with that. Because there's months, you know, like listen, I, I got to pay mortgages, I got a big studio, you know, like I've got kids going to college, like yeah, I can just hang out and do nothing and get going to debt, but I do have a a structure, financial structure, how my art helps me with my lifestyle. And each artist should have that. And it's not all about making the millions of dollars. It's about what works for you in your place at that time, at that moment. And that's what's beautiful. And that's what I respect for each of these individuals and artists or creative spirits that are trying to make it. Because the fact that they have made it by choosing to be creative and choosing to use their heart to dictate how they connect to the world. That is priceless. Mm. Amazing. So I have one final question for you, which is how we finish all of our interviews with the unmistakable creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Um, ask that again. I'm just, I'm not picking up. Yeah. Rephrase. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? So 
you know, for the sake of, of, you know, having to define it, because when you write a book called Unmistakable, you have to define what it means. Uh, my definition of this is doing something that only you could do in the way that you could do it. Okay. What I think is unmistakable is what I do in my way is I try to be a channel of hope and inspiration. What's unmistakable is that, you know, I think the challenge is people see me as a painter, right? I'm an artist, but I'm not. And, and you're not either. You are an innovator that is not just labeled to one category. If that's interviewing podcasts, writing books, or being a poet, you're not. So what I try to make sure that people understand is I'm, I'm not any different than you. But what's different is that I'm trying to continue to, to seek, to search, to listen, to innovate, and to be open to constantly um, change. That comes across in my art. Like, yeah, there are millions of them. There's so many better painters, technically. Better painters who sell more, who have their skills are better, their oil techniques better. They have a better lineage. They've studied under blah, blah, blah. They're, yeah. But what I say to myself is, remember, know who you are. And this is what I love. My other favorite athlete hero bringing bring this. I was a hockey player. is Wayne Gretzky. And he's been in the news recently, but he said, what was your success? What made you so unmistakable and so different and unique? And he said, listen, I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the biggest, but what I was, I was, I had the strongest mental toughness that any hockey player ever developed. I knew my strength and my strength was to mentally understand my ability to be fast and quick. Yeah, I worked hard. But again, I knew how to weave my strengths on that ice. He was unmistakably the best player of all time because he figured out something that he didn't have to force himself to be someone else. For me as a painter, I think about that every day and I, and I tell my kids this. You are a unique soul. You need to believe that. You can't compare yourself to the other people that are bigger, stronger, faster, you know, good looking, whatever you want to call it. I have to sit here in the studio and say, yeah, I'm being critiqued all the time on social media and through galleries and what people buy, but I'm still not going to play into their narrative of what they want me to say or do expectations. And so I think the big difference is every day I wake up and I say, I am not just a painter. I'm a storyteller. I'm a creative person. I, I seek adventure. I'm very curious. I really want to have a successful, um, healthy relationship with my family, my wife. I want to do it differently. I look at all the past artists who've been so successful without getting too depressing, depressing about how their choices and lifestyles, that motivates me not to go where they went. And so unmistakably, I'm trying every day to find more of the harmony and balance and how I live my life, and how I create, and how I connect to people, um, and and constantly changing. If you look at my art, my Instagram, and my page, you're like, "Wow, what style is Will today?" He has ADHD. Of course, I do. I'm using that to my advantage, folks. 
I love going from like hard, very physical strokes, massive 20 foot canvases sitting on big ladders and, and lifts to sitting on painting on the floor. Unmistakably, I'm trying to do something that is so um, rare, but also allows me not to be afraid and still be me because I'm a very athletic, physical person. And I take that out on my art and I don't want to hold back. Amazing. Um, well, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share your story, your wisdom, and insights with our listeners. This has been really, really beautiful. Uh, where can people find out more about you, uh, your work, and everything else you're up to? You could find me on Instagram mostly at Will Day Art. That's where I post a lot of my updated information and um, ideas. My website, willdayart.com, is always updated with news information of exhibits and shows and Facebook. Um, probably the simple ones and LinkedIn. I mean, blah, blah, blah. I try to be very targeted on how I share my story with the world through social media, but um, Instagram team is really where I go. So I appreciate your time and this has been wonderful. And you've asked some meaningful questions I haven't thought about in a long time. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. 
Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.